Welcome to the Lions Guide Podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring success stories and other lessons learned. We interview expert guests, and we also review books and other resources that help us establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls, founder of Lions Guide and certified high-performance coach. On today's episode, we have Mr. Mike Russell. Mike is a high performer and chief strategy officer at Federal Resources Supply Company, a company with a huge high-growth operation with hundreds of employees and does hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue each year. Mike is a very experienced mixed martial artist with skills in boxing, wrestling, and is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. On this episode, Mike and I discuss the lessons he's learned to execute successfully in a high-growth, high-demand environment such as his, and how the jiu-jitsu lifestyle contributes to his success. If you like the sound of that, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. And with that, let's start the show. Today on Lions Guide Podcast, we got Mr. Michael Russell, who has uh, been a longtime friend of mine. And, uh, you know, it's it's not often you could say you get to bring a guy on that beats you up routinely, you know, <laughs> a couple of days a week sometimes. Uh, but uh, Mike has uh, been uh, my jiu-jitsu instructor, pretty much uh, jiu-jitsu coach even for uh, years now. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, introduce yourself. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And look, those beatings are reciprocated. I think that that's always a one-way street uh, for, for sure. But no, I appreciate uh, you having me on and, and, and thanks for it. Uh, you know, known you for uh, a long, long time, not only, you know, personally, but professionally. Our, our businesses have done, you know, a good bit of business together over the years. So it's been a, a, a great personal relationship and professional relationship to know you. And, uh, you know, I can't remember. I'm assuming I think the personal relationship started first uh, before the business relationship, I think, if memory serves. Do you remember yeah. how that started? Uh, well, it, no, I think Well, I think what happened was like we were training at Phil's together, um, but kind of like, you know, not really rolling together so much because you would like assist instruct and you would kind of float around a little bit. And I was just a white belt at the time, probably, or just a new blue. And, um, you know, but then I would see you at the gym. And then I think one day I was like, Hey, you know, you want to roll? I put some, I got some mats together or something like that. And, yeah, yeah, I, and then yeah, yeah. I think, or maybe the, why I don't freaking know, man. I, I barely remember <laughs> what I had for breakfast. That was a long time ago. Yeah, but I even before that, right when Commitment Fitness in Centerville, I one day I come in there and you had a uh, it was um, it was like wrap tap or tap or nap or some yeah. shirt on, and then I'm like, hmm, yeah, that what is this? Oh dude? man! And you were like rolling around on the uh, big ball. You were like practicing your escapes or something. I'm like, hmm, who is this guy? And then I think uh, not much longer uh, was the first time I saw you at Phil's, and uh, I don't know. Somehow, somehow, so somehow we roll around in our PJs together uh, two days a week. And yeah, yeah, I still have that sweatshirt, which is funny. I was teaching at the Naval Academy at the time. They had had uh, they created a uh, jujitsu club um, because, of course, they've got a massive judo following at the Naval Academy. So we had gone there and, and started teaching some jujitsu, and I did that for like two years. So I think I, I probably. My wife, you know, would, it kills me because I never throw anything away, but I still have that sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
but yeah, you know, now wives we're... became fast friends. We both have three yeah. kids. So yeah. it was just, we're both uh, 1980 babies who have appreciation for He-Man and all the good things that came out of the, being an eighties kid, you know? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, we'll get into the jujitsu, but give us some of your background, you know, where you come from, what do sure. you do? What's your story? Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, my, my, my day job is, uh, I'm the chief strategy officer for a defense business called Federal Resources Supply. And I've been uh, doing this gig now, gosh, probably t- about 12 years. Um, and, you know, I tell people it's it's been one of the most challenging positions I've ever had, but one of the most rewarding and primarily for the clientele that we support. You know, uh, we do a ton with first responders and primarily military and DOD, and we're, we're, we're much on the defense side. So really protecting those from emerging threats and things that can harm them. And, you know, really the way that I got into it was kind of crazy happenstance. You know, sometimes people say it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, you know, I had been doing uh, living in kind of the wholesale distribution world for a long time, large commodities of steel and things like that for HVAC and uh, kind, of, kind of had grown through the ranks and become kind of a, a higher level salesperson in that organization. And uh, I had a friend reach out and they wanted me to come work in the NCR for them. And, it, you know, I, I uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but, you know, kind of a, a family of faith uh, from us. And, and, you know, I kind of prayed through it and didn't, didn't really seem like it was the right thing at the right time. And they came back, you know, probably I think a month later and offered me another position. And for some reason, it, it just at that time prayed through it again and it seemed right. Uh, and it was kind of off to the races. And uh, I started in the maritime side of their business, which at the time was roughly probably a, a three to six million dollar division of the business. And, you know, through kind of uh, God's grace and a little bit of know how, uh, you know, I was able to probably within about a year's time double that revenue. And it was really no other secret sauce and really kind of understanding and figuring out the system. And, you know, a lot of the government is like that. Um, You know, it's a very formulaic type of business because a lot of the contractual stuff that goes on in it. And, you know, I came from a place in that distribution world and uh, I'm starting to look older now. But back then I looked pretty young. And, you know, uh, that that. That kind of business was a very old boy business where, you know, it was kind of who you play golf with on the weekend and, and you know, you could have best efforts and, and outwork the guy next to you. Um, but really, it would kind of fall on deaf ears. And the government space gave me a little bit of a, a, a of a more even playing field, if you will, because a lot of it has to based on your past performance, you know, contracts that you've operated and executed on and how the government's rated you on that. And really, that's a lot of key success on how you win business going forward. So from as a, a young guy coming into this business, you know, called 12 to 15 years ago, whenever I started at Federal, uh, it, it was nice because I had that hunger and I had that drive to kind of learn and to grow. But, you know, it kind of put me on a little bit more of an even playing field where I, you know, didn't have some of those, hey, who, what you know, who you know, kind of working against you. And, you know, really rose through the ranks of the business fairly quickly. And uh, a lot of what I had focused on back then was kind of large contract capture. And now kind of in my role today, what I typically do is, you know, as the business grows and really just to give you some understanding of kind of what that looks like, you know, if I started in the business probably roughly 12 to 13 years ago, we were probably doing about $40 million top line revenue, uh, which is healthy. Uh, You know, that's a healthy, healthy, healthy small business. And we've grown it, I think, uh, this last year uh, through COVID, even uh, 2020, we're very blessed. We did, I think, $850 million 
to really that kind of sharp hockey stick revenue growth, um, which, you know, it is, uh, you know, that's never one person. That's a team of people and, and the whole business, you know, infrastructure. And look, we've created a, a, a very um, entrepreneurial, forward-looking uh, sales force. And, you know, the, the rest of kind of the, the business and the operation side and infrastructure has really had to grow alongside and kind of keep up with that revenue, which is a lot of times the challenge that we face is really, you know, keeping that customer satisfaction high, uh, delivering a good product while we, uh, you know, are building this infrastructure behind the sales force that has continued to kind of grow revenue uh, year over year. And that's really been the challenge. So my role today is kind of transitioned kind of more of, of doing the doing back in the day to more of the strategic outlooking of, you know, what are the barriers of entry for new markets as we move into new space? And, you know, as you look at the DOD budget, you know, where do we where do we place our bets and our chips uh, for growth? And, you know, as we look at large contracts, I'm typically, you know, the one that's given a lot of the thumbs up or thumbs down, whether we go after it, whether, you know, it's going to be a high P win and, and we can win it or, uh, you know, look, this one, this one might be one that we're going to have to partner. Um, so, you know, that that's a lot of what I do from a day to day perspective and, and really support the vice presidents that run those individual sales verticals uh, and just the day to day things that they face, you know, because a lot of times it's things that. You know, you know this from growing a business, Dale, you know, you, you get those bumps and bruises uh, growing that business. And a lot of times those VPs, they might be coming from another company and they're transitioning into that VP role or whatever it may be. Uh, and they haven't had all those bumps and bruises. So you're trying to impart that wisdom that you've kind of gotten, you know, through those times upon them and help them solve problems and learn for themselves. So, you know, that's kind of what I do today uh, as, as my day job. Uh, along with, you know, what everybody in the, the C-suite does, as you know, which is running around with that fire hose and uh, <laughs> put, put the daily fires out. So yeah. uh, so you you guys grew the company, you know, so the $750 million growth was over what period and how many years? Oof. Um, it was, you know, I want to say it was probably 2008 to 10 timeline. We were doing 40 million and then, you know, 2020, we hit 850 and we're projected to do probably over a billion this year in wow. 2021. So 10 years, um, so, a growth hockey stick of $750 yeah, and I million. Mean, dollars. Yeah, you really had like 40 to 80, 80 to 140, 140 to 240, 240 to like 350 to the 400s, 500s and the yeah. 800s. So, I mean, it really, um, you know, for those first few years, it was doubling of revenue, um, which, which, you know, in that smaller infrastructure, you know, you can kind of everybody talks about scale of an organization and how to keep scale and, and utilize scale. You know, really with that kind of revenue, you know, nobody's ever really expecting to double, you know, your annual yeah. revenue. So it, it you know, you, you almost force scale to exist. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, that that creates some uh, some gaps in capability. You know, I mean, you, you quickly everybody is really excited in the business when it grows at that rapid pace. So everybody's willing uh, to kind of pitch in and, and they're excited about the growth. But, you know, you can burn people out like that. You know, sure. you, you have roles that probably should be filled. You know, you've got people starting to put two to three extra hats on. And, you know, really as a business leader. You know, that's one of those things. I think a book that you might have recommended to me, uh, you know, a while back about really not only just looking at your org chart as just an org chart, but the responsibilities that come with those positions. Yeah. So, you know, you can really see when you look at something like that, where people start to get overwhelmed, like, man, that person's got 
five goals. This person over here has got eight goals and they're all equally important. But those three, we should probably get over to somebody else and start looking at, at filling a, a, you know, a, a role somewhere else in the business kind of kind of alleviate that pressure because people get burnt out. You know, it's yeah. almost like r- running at a full sprint, you know, and, and, and never relent, you know. Yeah, that was always a powerful tool that we employed, uh, definitely in the, the high growth years of Corsica, which were the it's the it's the book is traction for for those who are interested. And the the tool in there is it's called the accountability chart. So it's a org chart, but on steroids. And and the book takes you through the process, but to summarize it, it's it's basically the org chart, but you you have an organization of the roles in the organization and then you assign who is filling those roles and you may have the same person in multiple roles and that's where you get to see like man charlie over there he's running running sales he's running marketing and he's doing sales calls and he's helping with the phones on the weekends or you know whatever you know (laughs) it gives you this view and and as a as as a leader, you get to see like these, you know, you get that front of you and you go, okay, wow. You know, and, and I guess the accountability part is you, you get to define and bring clarity to what these roles are accountable for. Right. So it's an mm-hmm. organizational yeah. chart yeah. that mm-hmm. identifies a role who fills that role. Right. So a lot of org charts you see is, you know, person title, person title, person, and, and then the yeah. chain of yeah. command, yeah. but the accountability chart is really the chain of command in its roles, the roles of the organization, then who's filling the role, and then what are the five to seven things that that role is accountable for? What, what's the five or seven mm-hmm. five to seven key things? And now you you have you it, you have a much clearer picture on just how the organization is set up, and it, it, from a perspective of accountability. So it's a really powerful tool uh, to, to to like get rid of the gray, right? Like because a lot of organizations, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, they got this going on there. They got finger pointing, like, oh, that's not my job. It's mm-hmm. my job. Well, the the accountability chart instead of thumbing through everyone's job descriptions, which are eight pages long these days, you know, you've got the, the accountability <laughs> right. chart that t- calls out those five to seven key things. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it's a lot of powerful tools and traction. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, the, I think the, the good thing about that, you know, and the accountability piece of it, you know, I think, you know, as, as you're growing the business, you, you, you have these predefined roles in your mind that the business needs in order to operate, you know, COO, VP of ops, whatever it may be. And, you know, at times we throw those titles around without really understanding the competencies that come along with those positions. And I think the accountability piece, you know, that accountability, the levels of accountability and what you're required to do changes as the business grows. But I think when you can get a clear picture of that, it allows you to understand the competencies uh, that that people need in order to facilitate those positions. And, you know, that's something that like uh, has really become. I think into focus for me over the last probably two to three months. Um, our current CEO, um, uh, Larry Gwaltney, who's just a phenomenal guy, uh, suggested a book to me, uh, I don't know, probably a month or two ago, uh, called The Speed of Trust, I think by Stephen Covey. Uh, and, and he's got some great, great little jewels in there um, just about how trust, you know, drives speed and, and decreases cost and some things of that nature. But one of the biggest takeaways that I had was, you know, the difference between character and competence. And, you know, I've, I've been giving people kind of this, um, this kind of definition of it lately is like, hey, my wife, I emphatically trust with my wife. You know, she's my, my partner. Uh, I love her to death. There's nothing that I would not trust her with. I would not 
allow her to operate on me though, because she's not competent as a surgeon, <laughs> right? It doesn't mean that I trust her any less, but her competency uh, in the surgical field uh, it, it is not uh, a, a no, part. So, you know, that said, you know, I've started to look at the people in the organization uh, a, a bit different from the, the factor that everybody wants to grow. They all want to know kind of what their path is. And I think, you know, you've got to start with the character of the person, um, because I think character is a lot harder to build because it's built through behaviors. You know, it's kind of who you are as a person, your integrity, you know, how you what you do when nobody's around. And, you know, those things are, are built through years and years and time and time and behavior. Competencies, on the other hand, can be learned. You know, they can be built. They can they are skills that can be added and I think when you look at kind of that org chart and that accountability and people say, hey, I want to be that VP, I want to be that director, you know, that accountability allows you to really see the competencies that are required. And you can look at their current role and say, well, hey, look, in order for you to do this, here's really those three or four main competencies that we think you would need to grow to be able to fit that position because we love your character. You know, you're a trustworthy person in the organization and, and we see how you treat others and, and we see how you take care of yourself. And those around you. So we, we, we trust you. We love you. But in order to be that person and to obtain that role, here are the competencies. And I think when you break it down to people like that, they're like, oh, I get it. You know, and they feel trusted. They feel valued in the organization. But now they have goals to shoot to. And what you end up is you have, a, a, a you know, an employee that is willing to work and grow. And whether they, you know, grow those competencies and stay in your organization or not, you know, they're bettering some other organization and, and that holistically is just a good thing, uh, yeah. you know. So. so so with a rapid growth like that, 10 years, I mean, that's that's tremendous growth. Like, so it's, that, that's a, that takes a lot of performance and execution. You know, what do you think mm -hmm. in your case, you know, I, I use the word survive in that, right? Because I, I yeah, haven't <laughs> been there. I know it's, I, I know it's a tough you know, tough pill to just yeah. come do that grind. I mean, cause you call it, I called out the burnout. Right. And oh, yeah. uh, so it, it yeah. takes a lot to get that done. What do you, what are some habits you think contributed most to, or, and contribute most to your success and, you know, sustain in that level of performance? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I think, uh, I think uh, being empathetic, um, you know, I think oftentimes leaders uh, sometimes forget kind of that, that daily struggle in that grind. Um, and, you know, when you're asking people to really produce at the highest level, you can't look at it myoptically and say, you know, that they don't have a life at home. Right. And that, you know, they might not be having trouble with their marriage or they got a kid that's acting up like you have to understand, you know, that that we're all people outside of the job. And while you're you know requesting of them to really operate and perform at a super high level to obtain growth like that. You need to be empathetic to the place that you are. And you've got to be really tuned in uh, to the people around you, you know. And, and I think from, from a leader's perspective, it's it's twofold. It's those that are in your close inner circle and then even that next rung down. And you've got to be careful not to kind of usurp or jump the chain of command from a management perspective, but even kind of taking that temperature. Because, you know, I, I always kind of give the analogy like you're right. It's like driving a, a race car you know, at, at, you know, 150, 200 miles an hour, you know, you get a couple loose bolts, you're going to go off the track really quick because you're going so fast. You know, so I think it's really being able to assess the organization, your, your closest circle of whether it's your C-suite, your VPs, your director level, 
uh, and then e- even to see kind of the, the, the folks below them and taking the temperature of the business. And some of that is just being amongst the people and, 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 you know, getting to know them, knowing them on a personal level. I mean, for me, you know, uh, wrong, right, or indifferent. I, I pray for a lot of folks uh, in our company. You know, I know what's going on in their personal lives, some of their families, um, you know, and, and, you know, I do. I diligently pray for them. Uh, and that's that's part of, you know, the way that my faith come, kind of permeates kind of who I am as a person and a professional. But, you know, it, it lets them know that you care. Um, and, you know, you can't just look at everybody as a ones and zeros. And I think, you know, in our and our ability to grow organizations, uh, you know, I'm not saying that you don't measure things because, you know, if you can measure it, you can manage it and live by metrics. But I think you have to be in tune to the person side of the business, too. And I think to 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 overlook those things that are uh, less quantifiable and more qualitative, I think, is uh, is is could be a big gap that you could miss as a leader. For sure. If you're just looking at Excel's and spreadsheets all day long you could miss some underlying tones in the business that you really should pick up on sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, employee engagement is strong and there's a, there's a fabulous book that really enlightened me and I would say corrected me in a way. I mean, look, I came out of the Marine Corps, you know, hard charging sergeant of the Marines and just, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, I've, I've talked to other military guys and you just have this push, push driven mindset sometimes. But, you know, early in my day, I had a lady, I, I was pushing hard. It was a, not nothing in the business. Someone associated with someone in the business. And she kind of gave me this, like, you're not in the military anymore. And I, I looked at it twofold, <laughs> you know, I, I later learned what she was trying to say. I, I knew we were killing it. And my response to that was, well, that's our core differentiator. That's one of our differentiators. That's why we're kicking everyone else's ass, you know, because, because right, right. <laughs> I've got that in me, you know, and I'm bringing it to the table and I'm bringing it to this culture and we're, we're getting after it. But, uh, but what she meant was, you know, and, and I, I, you know, it didn't take me long later to realize, but it was really that I'm not in the military anymore. And I got to remember that the other people around me haven't been through 13 weeks of Marine Corps boot camp and went through that and, and have calloused with that type of, you know, I don't know. I'll say lack of empathy, maybe, and and yeah. I, and I think I, I would I would give it to you. I, I'm seeing enough of it to know that military leaders today are learning much better than I look. I'm, and I'm this this isn't a slight against military at all with their with their leadership. It's just a way we again. I was 22. I didn't know any better, but uh, but the truth of employee engagement and having empathy as a leader and 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 being a vulnerable leader and and and, and things like that. Uh, being being a servant leader, you know. But at the same time, in military, our primary leadership objective is mission accomplishment, right? You know, primary leadership well, objective and, and is mission yeah. accomplishment. And in troop yeah, welfare, we're second, right? We called it out, right? In the Marine Corps. Oh, yeah. Primary, yeah. secondary and, and, objectives were mission accomplishment, troop welfare. Because if you sacrifice the mission just to take care of the troops, we're all going to die, right? You know, so primary mission objective, primary leadership objective is, is accomplish the mission. Well, and, and I think you, you touched on it there. Like, you know, that that's one of the big things is, you know, like be clear. I mean, we service the military all day. Like you're talking about life and death consequences. Yeah. We're not talking about, we lost the bid or we lost the contract or, you know, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, the severest of severe consequences if you cannot execute on your portion of the mission. And, you know, I think that for, for the military, that is at times some, while there is a little bit of a lack of empathy because they don't have the time or the ability to have somebody not be where they need to be. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, I think and look, for me, that's one of the biggest things as, a, as like a leader that I've had to grow into and, and understand. And, it, and it's come with age and it's come with time is that, you know, I used to operate at this level and I would look to the left and the right of me and expect everyone else to operate at that level. And that's just not going to be the case. And I think what happens is it can frustrate leaders yeah. and that frustration can be lashed out at different folks. But the difference, I think, between operating in kind of like that military where it is life or death and you need to be able to 100 percent with confidence, trust that person on your left and your right in the business. You've got a little bit of flexibility to say that, like, look, I know that you might not operate at at this level, but what I'm going to try and do is make you operate slightly better than you were yesterday, you know, and I want you to be happy with who you are today, but I want you to want to be better tomorrow. Um, and that's the thing is, you know, I think it's a fine line for high operators, too, that you can get very um, self-defeating. And, and I think sometimes that self-defeat drives you to get better. But it's a fine line of, you know, because I think if you're not comfortable in your skin today, it's very hard to be comfortable with others. You know, you see kind of a little bit of this outrage culture going on. And I think a lot of that is just people aren't happy with who they are. 100%. And it manifests itself in, in a myriad of different ways. Um, you know, and for me, so I, I try to keep that mindset of, you know, I, I'm happy with the person I am today, you know, spiritually in my faith, with my family, with my job, with my coworkers, with my friends and family. But I, I'm always trying to be better. And I try not to, to put myself in that defeatist mindset of, of, of wanting to be better because I'm beating myself up today. But I don't ever want to try and rest on my laurel. So it is a fine balance in the way that you treat others and try to motivate them to get into the same mindset of continual growth. It's a delicate balance because everybody's different. And what motivates them is different, too. You know, that's another thing that I've I've found uh, historically. You know, some it's titles, some it's just friendships and accolades, some it's monetary, you know, every and it changes over time. You know, the same you know, 25 year old that might have started in the business that was worried about changing his title. And he just wanted to be the junior, junior executive. And then the mid, you know, like whatever it was, was it just title? Now it's more of a monetary because he's starting a family. And, you know, so people's priorities change. And if you're not close to the employees, you know, I think you can kind of miss some of that and how to help best them grow into their best professional that they can be. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things to kind of round that out. I mean, uh, one of the things I teach on is I, I, teach clients, you know, the Marine Corps traits and principles, right. And, and in mm-hmm. that, it, yeah. you know, in, in the principles is, you know, uh, you know, train your Marines, right. And, and know yourself mm-hmm. and seek self-improvement. Right. Um, oh, yeah. and those things right there are kind of rounded out. You got to know your people and you got to know yourself and, and you've got to be striving to get better. I mean, and that's where, you know, as you age, it took, takes age with me at least. And I, I think most, and hopefully you hit these points where you start to like check your ego a little bit, start to admit when you don't know something, right. You start to, you know, yeah. you know, ask more questions instead of just nodding and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. I knew that you go, actually, hey, tell me about that. I didn't know that anything about that. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to know. And, uh, so it's, 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 it's a level of maturity, you know? So, but you mentioned empathy, you know, and that's a great leadership habit, but you, right. You personally, what's a, what's a, what's a habit that kind of keeps you, you know, what's something that, that keeps you keeping up with this, uh, this high performance role that you got going on. Oh man. You know, I, I, I try to, I try to help the mic tomorrow. 
<laughs> so I try to do things today to help the mic tomorrow. And it sounds silly uh, a little bit, but, you know, it can be the smallest thing. You know, I think we as humans have a, a, a propensity to, uh, you know, backslide and take it easy and to slip like, you know, life is hard, uh, you know, waking up, doing the same thing every day in, day out and sometimes not seeing the results. You know, some of the things that I work on, too, are, are very long term. Um, so it's not like, you know, hey, I, I, I do something today and I'm going to get the gold star for the day. The gold star might not be for a year and a half from now. So, you know, trying to stay motivated in that gets gets tough and is a struggle. And you, I mean, you know, I mean, things like jujitsu I've been doing for 17 years now. Uh, and that's a grind. You know, that's one of those things that's a very long, long term play. You know, it's not like you go in, you you learn a couple moves and all of a sudden you're you're a wizard. Um, so, you know, I'm always trying to help myself for who I am tomorrow, whether it's what I put into my body, even down to the simplest things. I, like I'll give you one. Like typically when I get home from a long day, I'm usually getting home probably around 730, 7 o'clock, mostly every night. Our kids go down around 8. So I'll spend a little bit of time with them, usually um, right before they go to bed. But like if I'm changing out of my work clothes from today, I'll put on my workout clothes for tomorrow morning, right? And it's simple things like that. So when I go to bed, I wake back up, like there's on, like there's no excuse. Like I'm not sitting around in jammies having coffee because you can slip. I, I know myself well enough to know that if I get into that place of comfort, it will be too easy to kind of slough off the workout in the morning or to not do my standard routine. So I'm always trying to put myself in a position to win tomorrow. And, you know, you know yourself better than anybody else. And like, I think part of that is being self-aware of who you are. I think culturally we have a, a, a large generation coming up that scares me a, a good bit that they're not very self-aware of who they are. And I don't know if that's through the social media piece of, you know, that they're too worried about who they're projecting to the world that they want to be. And it's it's they spend so much time and effort projecting who they want to be and less time working on who they should be trying to be. Sure. And so for myself, like I try to be very self-aware of those shortcomings that I do have. And I try to protect my future self against them. Yep. So, you know, for me, I know I'm a person that operates on patterns, you know, so my pattern every morning is up at 530 and I read the Bible from 530 to six. And then I usually work out from six to 730. And then I'm, uh, you know, 730 to eight a shower. And then I'm in the office by nine and I work till about seven and then I'm home. And so like, I'm a very patterned individual because I know that's what I need. And even to the point where, you know, and you know, this is a high operator deal. Like, you know, you, you can get too patterned at times. So, you know, I actively break my schedule at times to, put times aside to think about things and to strategize, whether that's professionally or personally. So, you know, I'm always trying to plan ahead based on my self-awareness of who I am to be better tomorrow. Yeah. You know, if yeah. that makes sense. No, it does. I think having a routine is key. And I think, you know, because you can't, or like, let's talk about just personal growth and improvement for a minute, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, with, and with anything, and I, as I talk about this a lot in business too, which is like, Unless you have a system, you can't improve, right? Like, what are you improving? If you're operating There's in no chaos, yeah. yeah. If you yeah. don't have a baseline to look at the system and go, okay, I'm falling short here, 
this is what I need to change, right? Unless you have that routine, it's really hard uh, to stick with it, to, to know where you need to make adjustments and things like that. Um, so, so like you, I'm very patterned, you know, I, 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 I and, and you see this in other high performers. I mean, I think it's, it's Zuckerberg. They talk about Obama, some names I've heard, like they, they have this, they wear the same stuff all the time. Cause that's one less really? thing they yeah. want to think about. They just wear the same, same clothes, you yeah. know, same And you and I talked about that this week, Roland, like I've worn the same work shoes for probably eight years, <laughs> only until recently that, that they stopped right, making right, them. Right. But Kenneth Cole reaction, shameless plug, you know, whoever makes it. Yeah. Kenneth Cole. Yeah, 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 I yeah. wear their shoes and, and every, every six months I get on Amazon, reorder, reorder. As soon as I thought <laughs> of the, the soles running out, reorder. I, I didn't want right. to try to figure out did another pair of shoes work for me. I, these work for me. Give me another pair. Right. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I was throwing out dozens of them. And so – and that's the same thing. I, I'm just, um, you know, very patterned. I, and, and what that does is there's, there's, a, it takes the guesswork out of it. Right. You know, I, I, mm, I work with people yeah. and they talk about, I'm, I'm super disorganized. Well, show me your schedule. Well, right, you know, right. I, they just walk into the day with not, without a game plan. I can't do that anymore. I've learned, you know, and I, I just, I have a game plan for every single day. I, I do it. I do it at the end of the week, right? I, I get my mm-hmm. week plan together for the next week, and then I, and I that's my week close routine. I clear the decks, everything I got had going on this week. It's kind of like you know, you know, back in elementary school, you know, clean up, clean up. You know, you're like I do clean up. I, I go do my schedule, do my yeah, inbox, yeah, and I yeah. I am intentional yeah. that I'm going to end my week with all my tasks accounted for, uh, my inbox completely mm-hmm. cleaned up and turned into tasks, and I'm going to I'm going to end my day with my inbox clean, my tasks fully reconciled uh, for the week and for the week to come. I'm going to have my next week laid out from start to finish every single day. And the beauty of um, having a routine is I actually just need to look at my routine and go, okay, what's going on in my schedule? What adjustments do I need to make? Right. I'm just managing the exceptions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exceptions. You know, I'm up at four. I have coffee with Jody until five. She goes and works out. I start reading from five till six. And then Mm -hmm. from six to seven, I I do my thought development time. And then seven, I start working out for an hour. That's my daily routine. But on Fridays, I sit down and go, okay, what am I going to be reading this week? In fact, I'll take a step farther. What chapters or how many pages am I reading each day? So it's, I'm real intentional. And and, and so to your point, I'm setting myself up for success because here's what's happening. Don't do that. You look back on a week and go, man, I didn't work out this week. Well, you didn't plan to work out this week or you you plan to work out, but you didn't plan on what you were going to do. Like I go down and go, I'm going to do upper body on Monday. I'm going to do cardio on Tuesday and I, I lay it out because like you said, like the, like you said, with getting up and already having your clothes on that, that the thinking yeah. is done. All I got to do is execute right. now. I, I've already yeah. thought about it. Now I just get to go. And, and it's so relieving, right? Um, yeah. it, it's just a great, it, it's a powerful tip. And I, I just can't drill that home enough with enough people who say, yeah. Hey, I can't get yeah. this done. I don't have enough time and I'm so disorganized. Yeah. Sit down an hour a week, whatever it takes to plan your week ahead. Start getting ahead of it. And I think to your point, you know, some of that is the the, the value proposition of it. Like when you think about it, you know, and, and um, you know, you're living in a society that is trying to capitalize every second on your wants, right? Not your needs, but your wants, right? You know, whether it's an Instagram ad, whether it's a Facebook ad, whether it's whatever, you know, they're looking to pull you into a purchase, a transaction, uh, you know, and all of that is time spent. 
And I think the one thing that I've, I've noticed is like kind of with guys like you and me, like we look at things to say like, you know, I start from the default position, like with your shoes, like what you like, something else is not going to be better. Like, I think we live in this continual bigger, better deal, you know, of like, like, so, okay. So if you get a different type of shoe, how much value is that going to bring? Right. Like other than not having to think about it, having free time to develop and do something else. Like we live in this constant state of thinking that everything else other than what we're doing is going to be better. And simple things like that, like whether it's shoes or, you know, we have this propensity to spend massive amounts of time and, you know, uh, society and marketing is happy to help you do that, right? (laughs) They're happy to help you spend an hour and a half scrolling through Instagram, looking at, you know, probably 50% ads, you know, of what you might want. But really, you know, guys like us, we know we need a pair of shoes. That's fine. The ones that I have, I like, they're sufficient. I take the guesswork out of it, right? There's no need to look at another ad, another, you know, so, and I think it leaves you open to the other things that are more important, like personal development and things like that. And what people I think fail to notice because it's very sneaky is the time suck, I guess, for lack of a better term that that can steal away from you. Oh, yeah. um, and to your point, you get to the end of the week and you're like, what happened? Yeah. You know? And you feel like you didn't and get anything done. You know, if you operate yeah. chaos all week, you look back and go, man, I didn't get anything done. I was busy, yeah. but I wasn't productive, right? I didn't get anything I'll, done, you know? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed um, just in the business over the years, you know, and I'll say over the last 10 years, and I've kind of seen a slow curve like this, that, you know, Fridays used to come, you know, caught five years ago. And that was the kind of day that the, the business breathed and was everybody sat back and went, wow, we got through it. Right. And we did some of that. Let's plan for what next week is. Let's look at our schedule. Do I really need to be in that meeting? Is that really the best use of my time? I find now that Fridays sometimes are my busiest days because it's almost like our culture is like they've they've wasted time throughout the week. And, oh, no, I've got to get all these things done. Um, and, you know, it's like this Fridays are now some of the busiest days of my week. And I'm like, you know, looking at it at this super macro level, like I can see that some of that is, you know, this this kind of digital media rapid society kind of sucking people's time throughout the week. And then they get to the end of the week and they're like, oh, no, wait a minute, I got a job to do. And, and look, I, I say that because I fall victim to it, too. I'm not sitting on a pedestal saying, you know, look, look at everybody else. I know it because I fall victim to spending time in places that aren't the most valuable use of my time. Um, you know, so I know this as a, uh, you know, as uh, as a contributor to the uh, <laughs> for Friday, uh, you know, CAS Rep Friday, um, you know, but, you know, so and it's one thing that it's at a macro level I've seen happen over the course of time. And I think it's because time people get let their time be sown. You know, somebody a, a long time. And I constantly tell my wife this. I'm like, look, if you don't manage your time, somebody will manage it for you. Yep. And their priorities and the value of your time will not be the same or aligned, I can guarantee, as what yours are. You know, so you better be diligent about how you manage your time and what you spend it on. It's how you get to protect your time is actually having it defined how you're going to spend your time. And now you actually 
are empowered to protect it right now. When someone yeah. comes to you and goes, Hey, we got to sit down and do this. And actually, uh, let me look, that's not going to work for me, but I tell you what, you know, three o'clock on yeah. Thursday, uh, can we do it then? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if, if you've gotten your game plan, your week squared away and, and look, you got to leave yourself some, what I call buffer time. You got, you got to yeah, have some time to pick your head up and manage exceptions or have, you know, what I used to do is for sure. I would have like a half an hour buffer time, you know, mid morning, uh, mid afternoon mm-hmm. and things that like that I just had nothing assigned. So that I could go ahead and what I, what ultimately would happen is I, I would have three to four times a day that, um, I had email buffer time and that's the time I would check mm-hmm. my inbox. I wouldn't look at my inbox until that mm-hmm. time because it, in your inbox is just everyone else trying to grab your attention. You know, there are all these yeah. other things yeah. and it's a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. So I would mm-hmm. actually say, I'm not checking email. I would check it obviously to start today. I, I just look, thumb through. Is there anything that's what I look for is things that are dependent on me. Right. Or yeah. I'm dependent on oh, to yeah. make my next move or expecting. So I, I, I want to make sure that no one's waiting on a response or something from me. So I'll clear. I'll look through that. But other than that, I'm going heads down 1130 yeah. before lunch and pick my head back up. All right. Same thing. Is there anything that I was waiting on that came through or that people are waiting on me? Boom. And you know, that, that was it. Hi, everyone. Dale here. I want to take a quick break to invite you to join us at LionsGuide.com. Have you ever struggled to show up as your best when you really needed to most? Have you ever stared at your week and you just wondered, how the heck am I going to fit all this in? Or worse, have you come to the end of your week and asked, how come you didn't get done what you wanted to? Or maybe have you ever struggled to gain influence at work or home? Or have you felt as if you are a productive person, but you really don't know where you're going or what you want? So the distractions of social media or maybe Netflix take over your day. If any of that sounds like you, I want you to know that you're not alone and invite you to visit us online at lionsguide.com and subscribe to the Lions Guide newsletter or maybe even download some of our free guides to help you on your journey. The time is now to transition to the next level in your performance and personal growth and have some joy in life. Visit lionsguide.com and subscribe today. You owe it to yourself and those most important to you to be the best version of you. Don't lose any more time. Subscribe today. I can't wait to see who you're going to become. And now back to the show. You know, I think you hit on a good part, you know, the time suck of social media. People do not know. And I think if they get in and they look at their little time tracker on how much time their everyone's iPhone does it, I'm yeah. sure the other ones do. If you go in and look, yeah. it'll tell you how much time you're spending on social media. And that's a, just a good baseline to set some goals around and go, man, I spend 14 hours a week on social media. Holy oh, yeah. smoke. I mean, yeah. that, that's a that's a day and a half work day, you know, yeah. Um but uh, it's a slow, it's a slow leak of your time, right? Like it, it's, a, yeah. you know, you're, you're, li- we're all limited. We don't, we don't even know how much time we have on this earth, right? So, yeah, 100%. social media consumption, right? Uh, consumption mm-hmm. is a slow leak of this time that you don't even know how much you have, you know. So it's oh, something yeah. that, you know, for coming out of tech, I kind of have preached to people for a long time, especially when it got to where it is today, which is. Tech is a tool. It's not a toy, you know. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so you sit around and play with toys all day because that's when you sit there and consume social. That's what you're doing. You're just sitting there playing yeah. with a, you know, Tonka truck when you could be getting shit done, you know. And yeah. and you're not, yeah. you know. So it's it's you know, tech is a tool. And and because I, I I don't like going to the extreme and saying, uh, man, just turn it all off. And it's not like use it use it for the power that it is right. I mean, we have access mm-hmm. to so much information. I've learned so much more because of technology. I've communicated mm-hmm. with people and experts that I never probably could have oh, without yeah. this technology. 
Um, you know, so it, it's got its benefits, but you got to be using it in the right way. Uh, and you yeah, can very easily yeah. use it in a wrong way, but you can just as easily use it in the right way too. So you, that's where, you know, discipline kind of yeah. comes in. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, the yeah. connectivity, the connectivity availability of everybody nowadays is, is immense. Um, you know, whether it's through social platforms like LinkedIn, things like that, you know, it, it is like, it, it is such a powerful, um, mechanism to get access to folks that you may not have had access to, customers you may not have had access to, information you may not have had access to. But you're right. The downside of that is playing with it like it's a Tonka truck. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. a great analogy. You know, um, look, recognize recognize what you're doing. Um, and if it's not adding value to you, you know, I think you and I have talked about this, then, you know, you are the product at that point. You know, oh yeah, you, you yeah. Know, you know, I mean, you are the product at that. If point. you're not paying, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. I think is um, that, that documentary on Netflix kind of talked about. Oh that. yeah. Um, sure. All right, so let's get into the fun stuff finally. Jujitsu. So <laughs> you've been doing it 17 years. I know you're a, you're a power powerhouse brown belt. Um, yeah. What's what's how'd you get into it? How'd you get into jujitsu? By the way. Man, I tell you, by by fluke, uh, you know, I uh, I wish I had some grandiose story, uh, but I was hanging out with a neighbor, and I don't know if it was, you know, what UFC we were watching at the time, and I was like, we could do that, you know, too, too foolish, <laughs> you know, whatever that. I was, twenty uh, some year old. I'm like, we could do that, and I was like, you know, I think I saw a place down the street. Um, and, uh, shout out to John Garfield at Garfield Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, you know, I strolled in there like I, uh, uh, you know, I, I knew something and, you know, I, I, uh, you know, you talk about ego and pride. I don't know. I probably had something like best physique in, in high school or something. And boy, uh, you know, about two minutes on the mat and, uh, all pride. And, you know, uh, I was humbled extremely quickly as most people are that, uh, go, go through any type of jujitsu training. Um, so, you know, I, I started with a buddy of mine and, uh, you know, we started, uh, in, in Annapolis and man, just, just caught the fever. And, you know, it's, it's one of those sports where it's, it's attrition rate is high. You know, most people make it to blue and, you know, it is a tough, challenging sport and, you know, jujitsu culture now, you know, one of the big things that you'll hear is, you know, there's a lot of, um, fear in the kind of jujitsu world um, for some of the purists and kind of the old school folks that, that it's losing some of that old grind part of it and mm -hmm. becoming more of kind of the, you know, puppy mill type, uh, you know, you've been here six months, you get a belt. You know, I was never given a belt on any schedule or timeline. It was always assessed by my abilities to execute kind of what I had learned. And also, you know, once you get kind of past blue, to be able to, to turn around and convey that knowledge to somebody else, you know, whether it was my instructor, John Garfield or, or uh, Phil Whitlock. And, you know, both of those guys trained under Miguel da Silva, um, gosh, Pedro Sauer. Um, I think John currently is under Hickson, under Henry Aikens right now. But, you know, all those guys would really put a high emphasis, too, on your ability to train the next person as well as you learned it, if not better. Because, right. you know, just as well as I do, you know, I could show you something. Your body's going to apply it differently. You're going to find different tips, tricks, positions that are a little bit more helpful to you than somebody else. 
and your ability to convey that of like, hey, this is this is normally how I do it, but you know, I'm pretty tall, so you know, when I do it, uh, you know, I, I I go here or I go there because the leverage is a little bit better. So they always had a high focus on our ability to kind of take that knowledge and to continue it on to the next generation. So you know, because it, it is one of these skill sets where um, you know somebody that is more, more better trained than somebody uh, that's here but is less, has less physical attributes, you know, hey, call it a 120 pounder, that's a purple belt, you know, every day of the week is probably going to beat a 180 pounder, that's a white belt, right? Their skill level is just so much more, so much higher. And they've got so much more tricks and tactics. uh, And they've been through the fire. You know, that's another thing about jujitsu is, you know, it's one of the only sports that you can really I would say execute uh, and train at a very high combat tempo and not take severe damage. I mean, I've done some boxing in the past and and nowhere uh, to the point that I would say I'm, I'm extremely skilled, but I would say kind of JV level boxer and look, you know, sparring and boxing, you take damage. You know, that's the first thing the boxing instructor tell you is you're going to get hit, you know, Uh, punching bags don't hit back, but people do. And, you know, you're going to take some damage, but jujitsu is one of those sports that you can really operate at a high tempo and, and look, don't get me wrong. It is, it is brutal and you are going to have uh, soreness and aches and twists and potentially breaks uh, that, you know, uh, will, will come uh, through the years, but, you know, there's not too many sports that you can uh, aggressively pursue that kind of uh, training and 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 get away that unscathed. So it's it's very valuable from that perspective. Yeah, and so you've you've got this opportunity to really test yourself. But and what 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 have you taken from the mats that have helped you in your daily? Right, because here, right, we started this talking about you know you're a high performer in this you know what mm-hmm. would be a billion dollar business. You know, one on the leadership team. And oh, by the way, now we get here and it's like, oh, by the way, you know, I, 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 I can kick your ass so far across the street. You, you, you wouldn't know what hit you. Yeah. In, um, right. So, so, yeah. but how does that, how does that help you? Right. Like why, why jujitsu oh, yeah. as it, how does it help you in your personal and professional performance? Yeah. I mean, look, the, the, the benefits of jujitsu, um, you know, are, are, immense. And I think to sit here and try to count them out, I don't know if I would do it justice, honestly. Um, but, but I'll give you two. And, you know, the, one of the biggest ones I think, uh, is humility, uh, humility and loss and your ability to know that the world's not ending and that there's a chance for you to get better. You know, I think with, you know, the, the societies that stands today, everybody assumes or expects to get the win. And I don't know if it's what we're watching on TV and what we're reading, your best self now, whatever it is, you know, there's also like this Pollyanna thought that like every attempt is going to be a win. And that's purely not the case. You ask any, you know, kind of high performer and they'll tell you about their losses. You know, look, I can't tell you how many contracts I've won. I can tell you how many I've lost. Um, and I can tell you how impactful it was and what I did to get better after I lost them. And jujitsu is the same way. You know, you kind of walk in with this, oh, I'm going to be pretty good at this. And you are quickly, uh, you know, <laughs> demoralized in, 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 in some aspects. And I think there is something uh, about, you know, a one-on-one competition uh, between 
you know, people that are on, you know, roughly around the, the same level where you have to say, I give up. Yep. I, I concede. You know, if you play because in real life, you just killed me. Right. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. that's what that's yeah. what the tap is. Right. You're simulating. Yeah. Hey, I'm I, you. You, you yeah. just killed me. You know, you just killed <laughs> me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Let's start yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I've sat up some long nights walking through the psychology of that. And, right. and yeah, it's absolutely true. It's, it's one of the most, I think, hardest things to do. Uh, and I can only speak from a male perspective. Um and I've definitely rolled and, and had with a, fe- with a bunch of different females, uh, but it's the same thing. Like you, you've got this kind of bravado and to be able to have to go, I give up. And, and to what would have been, if it was a real world scenario, some of the most sig- significant consequences uh, that that'll, that'll mess with you a little bit. And, and, you know, I think in a good way, you know, because I think, you know, with, with the, the way we are in culture and society now, like, you know, there's just this, we have the ability, especially in team sports that, you know, I, I love team sports. I think team sports are great. My kids are on team sports. Uh, they play a lot of team sports, but the one thing I think you can, is you can kind of shift blame. Like you have this ability in your, your consciousness and whether you do it subconsciously or not, you know, well, if Timmy would have passed me the ball or Janie would have just, you know, gone here and she would have capitalized on that goal. We would have won today. You know, there's a way to rationalize it. When you've got to kind of look yourself in the mirror and be like, no, I, I, I had to give up, you know, that's on you. Right. And that's a humbling experience, let alone if you've got to do it five, six, seven times in an hour in a class, you know, that takes any sense of pride that you have and kind of throws it to the window and, and, and out the window. And I've, I've never seen I've never seen any benefit in pride. I, I really haven't. I mean, I'm sure people have written books on it and why you've got to have, you know, some pride. In it. And, you know, I'm not saying that you don't uh, value yourself and, and have good self-worth, but from a pride perspective and letting that head get big, I've never seen any value to it. I don't think it allows you to continuously grow because I think it puts you in a sedentary mindset that you're there. And I think what jujitsu constantly does is totally tears that self down because there's always somebody better. And sometimes that somebody better might be somebody below you coming up. Um, And that's a humbling experience that can drive you to get better too. So, uh, you know, that's one of the main things that I I think it's given me is just a a heart of humbleness and just the mindset to always try to get better. Um, Well, it's like, uh, the second, it's that ego, yeah. right? So I think you know you oh, can be man. you can be yeah. proud of who you are and what you're going on, but it's it's that ego, right? And uh-huh. you know I think you the humility's huge, and and I I would venture to guess it would be my opinion that that's why the attrition rate's so high, right? Because yeah. here we are, yeah. Yeah. we just want to post our glamour shots all day and make everyone <laughs> you know just like like yeah. like and yeah. oh you're so yeah. great and that's so awesome and and but you know. And there we go, you know, uh, and, and that's a and, and that's a good challenge to have, and it's a great tipping point yeah. to grow, right? Like you know, like jujitsu or other hard things, right? You're going to yes. put yourself in a very challenging situation, and if you can admit defeat, right? Like, because um, even yeah. like when you tap, you're really saying, "Hey, you beat me," right? And yeah. but I'm not giving yeah, up. I'm, I'm I, okay. You beat me that time. Now let's go again. See, again. If, see if you can get that again. Right. And right. I, I, I always joke when um, Ben was down that day and you're like, he's a Kimura master. And I'm like, 
okay. And we start rolling. And, and I was like, well, let's see how many Kimoras you get, get on me in this, this roll. It was like a five minute roll. He like slapped a Kimura on me. Like, and I'm, I'm oh, holy times. Like, you're not going to get that again. I think he put me in a Kimura like 26 times in five minutes. And, <laughs> you know, like, you're, not, you're not doing that again. Boom. Got me. But you know, it's, <laughs> but it, but the, the, the moral of the story is like, you know, you're, you're learning, like when you get tapped, you go, okay, I know what I did wrong or I'm not letting yeah. that happen again. And, and so it's, it's, it's building, this fight or flight, right? And and maybe fight or flight's not it, but it's but it is back to the attrition. Like some people can't handle that, right? They're they're getting their yeah. ego checked and they're going, I don't want to go through that anymore. I'm out. Right. Yeah. Where the right thing to do is to go it, that's what happened to me. I I got called into jujitsu, you know, I had a family member who wanted to do it, was graduating high school. And uh, I was actually finishing a degree at the time. And I was like, listen, you finish high school. Cause they wanted to go be a MMA fighter. I said, okay, you finish high school. I'm going to finish up this degree that summer. I'll find a gym. Well, I'll go with you. It was kind of like, I want to do this, but he didn't want to do it by himself. I- I'll go with you. I'll go with you. So we found this MMA place uh, over in Delaware. And first night, the instructor's son, 15 years old, I'm 31. I'm a 31 year old former Marine, you know, and uh, this 15 year old kid, beat my ass. I mean, he beat my ass. And and I left that night. I was like, Oh hell no. You know, like this, this isn't, I'm not going to walk around knowing like there's a 15 year old out there that can beat my ass. I just, that's not yeah. going to happen. But that, but yeah. that's that humility, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. my family member eventually quit. I, I think after a few weeks, they were like, like a young 18 year old, you know, just like, yeah. I'm out, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm yeah. out. And, but I'm like, no, I'm leaving the gym. I'm going straight to commitment fitness like at 10 o'clock at night running four miles and, you know, and then getting up and doing it again because I need my cardio up. I was gassed. I need my cardio up. I was ready to throw up. I need to work on that. And okay. How did you do that to me? And like, my brain was like, no, I'm no, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm in now. Like, because it's just, and that's that humility aspect. I could have, you know, that's what a lot of people do. They get in there and go, I can't have this, you know, I I can't. you know, have yeah, you, you know, you, you, you talked about it earlier about baselines um, and about getting a true baseline. And I think that's one thing it, it, it does pretty quickly. Yeah, I think, you know, look, you can go into an organization or a, a business and you can you can get into the mix of things and be like, oh, wow. You know what? What I thought was my operating baseline that they're operating at a much higher level. I think jujitsu does that like in an instant, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. tells you where and, you're at. And, who you think you are in your mind becomes very clear physically immediately. And, you know, I think some people like yourself will, will rise to that challenge. Like me, I'll, I'll rise to that challenge. Um, but others, it's heartbreaking because if you built that person, if you built that image that, you know, kind of golden calf, if you will, as, as much as you, and then in an instant, it is just taken away. You know, if you don't have that humble spirit, that's a hard thing to deal with. That is yeah. a real, really hard thing to deal with as a person. Hundred percent. Yeah, and and, and 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 it's be the person that just says, "Okay, I, I got something to learn here." You know, I got, yeah. I got to solve for this, right? I got to, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm obviously not who I thought I was, right? I'm not. Mr. Right, Badass, right. you know, you know, never yeah. been in a fight before. And, and now, you know, yeah. it, I just came to this place and I, you know, I'm not that guy. So, Hey, if, yeah. if I want to be that guy, I got to stay, I got to stay here on these mats. I got to, 
I got to train, I got to get it squared away. Right. So that's the, you know, don't walk away from it, you know, like stick with it. It, it it'll come right. Like that same, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite sayings actually is like, you know, all a black belt is a, what is, is a white belt that never quit. Right. Like, yeah. man, yeah. take that to the bank in all things, you know, just, yeah. A black belt is just a white belt that never quit, period, right? Yeah. Just hang in there. Just keep learning, you know? It's not going it to – that's one it thing is. that's not going to happen overnight. It's not instant satisfaction. In fact, it's the opposite, right? When you get started, oh. it's the, it's instant dissatisfaction, and that dissatisfaction should be not with what happened but with where you are, right, and say, how do yeah. I get there, you know? Well, it's it's a great segue. My, my second point that I was going to say that really the lesson that it taught me was how to play the long game. You know, and, and I'm sure I started jujitsu with this vision and grandeur of getting some black belt and yada, 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 yada. You know, it's no longer, you know, like we were talking about how, you know, kind of your motivators and your priorities have changed. You know, I, I am in this this thing where I'm just um, totally taken by the continuous learning of it, um, and the continuous of evolution and evolving of it. And I could think, uh, you know, less about my belt and everything else uh, that goes along with it, other than just that continuous improvement portion of it. You know, there's never a day that I'm going to walk in uh, and step on the mat and be like, I got it. Yeah. I got it all figured out. Like, and I would say even the highest level black belts, they're constantly learning. And as they're, you know, that's another thing too, that I think is jujitsu is good is as you begin to teach, you know, everybody knows this to anybody that's ever taught anything. You pour so much into the research, into the education of yourself to prepare the lesson that you don't even, you, you can't even quantify the benefits to yourself in that process. Um, that's one of the things that I always loved about jujitsu, especially the guys that I came up under too, was their propensity to want you to be able to teach others. It built this kind of gene in you that as you researched and, and you know, because you want to make sure what you were conveying was correct because there is this very kind of... Um, stoic kind of legacy to jujitsu and, and kind of the, the kind of credo of it. So, you know, you, you, you kind of have a reverence for it. So, you know, that research to, to do it right and to teach it correctly and for it to be conveyed properly, you didn't even notice that while you were doing that, you're growing yourself the whole time too. And I kind of love that about the sport, but, but to your point, like the long game of it, like you don't go in and learn a Kimura and then all of a sudden you're just tapping everybody left and right. No, they all, they all know the Kimura, they know the Kimura defense, yeah. you know, it's like this long term, long game play. And, you know, I, I mean, I think I went like a year and a half to two before I even tapped anyway. Matter of fact, I can't remember any really the submissions that I've done over the last 17 years. I can remember my first tap though. <laughs> you know, and it, and it kind of goes, it goes to show you that like, you know, it is this long-term long play. And I think our society doesn't have the intestinal fortitude sometimes today to play that long game. And, you know, for me and my job, um, especially as like chief strategy officer at a defense business, you know, I'm looking at other countries around the world, be it China, be it Russia, and like how they're establishing and what we're doing to, you know, prop up our defenses as a country and you look at China and that authoritarian, they play the long game. They play it real well. Now, look, their society is set up with an authoritarian government to do so. um, Right. We've got a four year election cycle and for good reason, you know, I think bureaucracy, there's something to be said to that, right. That allows that a smaller people group doesn't get overrun by a larger people group just by default. So I, I see the benefits in our, in our government. Don't get me wrong, but they do have an innate ability 
uh, and the timeline to play that long game. And that's one thing jujitsu has taught me is, you know, like I was telling you, a lot of the efforts I work on here today, I'm not getting the gold star today. You know, I can only pray that we get the gold star a year and a half, two years from now. And even when we get it, that's not my gold star. That's everybody else's gold star. Cause you know, just as every leader, you know, the win is everybody else's. The loss is yours, you know, and that's the way it is. And if you can't stomach that, then, then, then that's not the role for you, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, so that's, that's a big lesson. That is so hard. if you had to explain, you know, what makes you successful to someone you're mentoring, you know, what, what, what would that one thing be? God's grace, man. Uh, we, we haven't talked about it a lot, but, but faith, you know, uh, I, I am grounded in faith. I'm a Christian guy. You know, I, I said, I get up every morning, you know, uh, not, not to no pun intended religiously, uh, and read the Bible. And, you know, one of the things that I've tried to let that accomplish is I've allowed it to permeate throughout my life. Um, one of the biggest defaults I'll say, or one of the biggest faults I'll say of, of kind of the Christian culture nowadays is, is, you know, it's kind of uh, church on Sunday, a wall on Monday. You know, and, and if you would have gone back into, you know, biblical days, you know, I think the Hebrew language has like one quarter nouns of what the English language actually has. So if you went up to like Jesus and said, what's your spiritual walk like? He would have looked at you like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, that spirituality permeated every aspect of life. And so for me, you know, that 30 minutes in the morning is a way for me to ground myself, you know, is to to look at something bigger than myself, you know, a, my salvation, the way that I look at it, um, you know, and it, to me, it puts me in a state of humility. It puts me in a state of um, gratitude and, and really from that perspective, kind of knowing and walking with Jesus, it allows me to never feel alone. And what I try to do is those lessons that he teaches me through that, you know, ancient book and scriptures, I allow it to permeate my life. And, you know, I know that there's, you know, some large cultural shifts of not to kind of step on other people's toes. And like, look, that was never, I think, ever the intent of Jesus. You know, he kind of only gives you one really narrative and that's go forth and make disciples, you know, and teach kind of the lessons that Jesus has taught and put your, your, your faith in him. So from my perspective, you know, when I'm talking to people, that empathy that I've grown has been largely attributed to like reading the Bible. And, and, and kind of understanding things like that, treating my neighbor as myself, you know. And, and so from that perspective, the lessons that you see in, in the Bible and the, that I take from it, I don't allow just to sit in the pew on Sunday, you know, and to pat my son on the back of the, you know, his head as we're walking out of church. I allow it to, you know, kind of emulate out of me in some form or manner as the people that I talk to on a day-to-day -day basis, you know. And like I said, whether that's praying to somebody like, you don't understand, I think, and, and I, I maybe will never know the impact of telling somebody whose, you know, mother-in-law is going, you know, through cancer treatments and she's having to leave work at, you know, 430 every night and, and run there to support her. That Hey, I'll, I'll pray for you. And if anything that you, you need, you let me know. But when you say that, you do it. You do pray. And if they do ask, you do do it. You know, and, and so, you know, I, I think for me, one of the biggest key factors to me is, uh, and, and also, you know, Christianity, you know, when you look at, you know, there's a, a verse in James that says all good things come from above, you know, speaking about God. When I look at these factors of how, you know, the business has grown and I've professionally grown, like 
it, it, it's not me. Any other person could have been in my same situation, right? Like I am blessed that I've been in the specific situations touched by the people that have spoken to my life, you know, and I've grown like that's not of my doing. A lot of times I think we have the ability to be like, oh, you know, I, I did that. I did that. And of course you have to put in the sweat equity. There's things like the jujitsu of the world that you have to put in the sweat equity. You have to get up and you have to do it. But there are so many things that are outside of your control as a human being that have helped your growth uh, and, and kind of evolution of a person that you would be silly to think that you've done it all by yourself. And for me, you know, when I step back and look at my life and look at the way things have transpired, I, I know without a doubt, a hundred percent how, you know, that, that, that God being in my life has changed that. So, you know, I kind of, you know, that's one of those main things that I just try to let my spirituality, I try not to cut it off as I leave the door of my house. I try to just let it permeate through my life. And I'm not, jamming the Bible down people's throats. But if you ask a question, I'm going to be prepared to answer it. And that's one of the things that the Bible says is be prepared in season and out of season. That's one of the things that I always like too. you know, talking about, you know, tra transition in a biblical concept to a business concept. You know, I think it's Peter that says, be prepared in season and out of season. And what Peter's talking about is giving your testimony. But if you equate that to business, right, business opportunities only come around every so often. You know, that chance to get the position, to win the contract, to make the sale. You know, you constantly have to be prepared in season and out of season, because if you're not, that opportunity will pass you by and somebody else will make it, uh, you know, because they were prepared outside of season. Um, so I, I think, you know, there's a lot of things uh, with my, you know, my spiritual walk with with the Lord that have just made me a better human, a better person, a better businessman, uh, a, a more empathetic leader, um, you know, uh, so a better husband, a better father. So, yep. you know, from that perspective, uh, I, I'd say that's one of the key things uh, that is that has helped to my success. And, and then I would say um, to constantly put myself in a position of continual learning, to be inquisitive, you know, never think I've got it figured out. I can't remember some 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 you know business leader or something said it's the things that you think you know that will stop you from being successful you know so i never think that i have it all figured out and i think you said it earlier like you know you almost try to revert to that childlike behavior of asking questions and and why why do you do it that way you know and exploring it because you're only seeing the world from one angle you know you're not seeing it how this person looks at it and and to not kind of be inquisitive like that you're missing a bunch of different ways to kind of look prospectively uh, at the situation going on. Yeah. Awesome. Powerful stuff, man. Well, we're up on time here. I think you've got something to run to, but uh, if, yeah, if interested, yeah. how can folks get connected with you? So, you know, from a business perspective, uh, you, you can shoot me an email, uh, Mike, M-I-K-E dot Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L -L, at federalresources.com. Um, all one word. And, you know, I would say, go back to you uh, and, and uh, you, you can be my better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just gave every spammer in the world your freaking uh, email address. Way to go. I'm done for. I'm done for. You might have to cut that one out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big. I'm not you a want big to give your cell phone guy. number too? While you're at it, I'll no, start. no, no. Yeah, your email yeah. and sell on the show notes. Area code and uh, social security. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a big Twitter guy and I'm not a big social media guy. You're on LinkedIn so, uh, though, right? I, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn probably. I am, if you're I am online, on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, you can look me up on LinkedIn, just my company name and me. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm always making connections. So awesome, sure. man. Well, hey, I 
Hey, it was everything I'd hoped it be, would be, man. I appreciate you coming on. We got definitely other topics, so we'll we'll find another opportunity, maybe get you back on again and Absolutely. those things as well. I'd love to do it, man. Love All right, man. It, All right. Thanks for coming on. All right, talk to you later.